Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have a meaty middle about new words in the Oxford English Dictionary and a type of joke called a Tom Swifty, and a tidbit about the surprising origin of the word phony. The headline for this article on the Quick and Dirty Tips website is something of a joke. New words added to the Oxford English Dictionary. Again! It's a joke because I'm implying that it's unusual for the dictionary to add new words, but the editors actually do it every quarter. But I still love reading the new words and thinking about them, and one of my all-time favorite Grammar Girl episodes is about how words get in the dictionary, so we'll talk about them a bit today. Dictionaries add new words so often because people keep using new words. That's the short version of how words get in the dictionary. If enough people use them, they get added. If you hear a word you don't know or don't understand, and you go to the dictionary to look it up, you want it to be there. So it makes sense for dictionaries to include words as they're used. An interesting cultural difference that I learned about from Lynn Murphy, who has a great book coming out on the differences between American and British English called The Prodigal Tongue, is that Americans are much more likely than the British to view dictionaries as the authority on words, the language Bible, so to speak, whereas British readers are more likely to view the dictionary as a book for word lovers. Another recent news story also highlights how words get in the dictionary. A Canadian boy named Levi Budd came up with the word levodrome when he realized there wasn't a name for a string of letters that spells one word forward and a different word backward, such as God and dog and stressed and desserts. They're kind of like palindromes, but not exactly. So he tacked his name onto the front of the drome root and has been campaigning to get his new word listed in dictionaries. I think it's a useful word, but the bottom line is that he has to get people to use it, and use it repeatedly over a significant period of time, like any other word, before dictionaries will include it. As Regina in the movie Mean Girls proved, you can't just make fetch happen. I feel optimistic about Levodrome, though, just because it is so useful. When I was on vacation, I played around with trying to make a game based on levodromes, but nothing I came up with seemed fun enough to actually make into a real game. But Levi's father said in a news article that teachers are sending him pictures of students making levodrome lists, the same way they might make palindrome or homophone lists, so that seems promising. So let's get to some of the new words that just entered the OED. What words have people been using frequently enough and long enough to convince editors they should be in the dictionary? Well, mansplain made the list. It's a combination of the word man with the last part of explain. It means, quote, a man's action of explaining something needlessly, overbearingly, or condescendingly, especially to women, in a manner thought to reveal a patronizing or chauvinistic attitude, unquote. I see that a lot on Twitter. I think I've only started hearing people use mansplain in the last four or five years, but the Oxford English Dictionary pins its first use to a live journal post from 2008. Hangry is another new word that I've only heard in the last few years, but the OED dates back much farther, all the way back to 1956. It's a combination of hungry and angry. And to me, it's at least as useful as levodrome. I mean, I get angry easily when I'm hungry. Who doesn't? 
Ransomware is the kind of new word we get because of new technology, or in this case, new technology-related crimes. Ransomware is software that causes some kind of problem, like blocking access to your data, and demands you pay a ransom to fix it. What's interesting about this word is that it looks like people used it infrequently, starting in the 1980s, to describe something I think of more as freeware. Software that gives you limited access to features free, and a full set of features if you pay. But the OED didn't add the word until this update, because it's now being used frequently to describe the more malicious type of software. Snowflake is another new word, or at least a new sense of the word. And what's interesting to me is that I remember how this word evolved. It's been around since 1983, but back then it was a good thing. A snowflake was a special person in a good way. It played on the idea that every snowflake is unique and was used to describe how people, especially children, are all special, cherished, and unique. I distinctly remember President George W. Bush talking about snowflake babies who came from frozen embryos left over from in vitro fertilization. But then people seemed to get annoyed by the idea. For example, in the 1996 book Fight Club, the men embraced the philosophy as part of their indoctrination that, quote, you are not a beautiful and unique snowflake. You're the same decaying organic matter as everyone else, unquote. In my mind, snowflake ended up falling into the same category as participation trophies. And then, more recently, snowflake has become an insult, a description of someone who's overly sensitive or easily offended. And it's been used often enough and long enough that the editors at the OED believe it needs to be in the dictionary. The final one I'll talk about is Tom Swifty, because I've actually been meaning to write about Tom Swifties for a few years. These are a type of joke that goes back to a children's book series with a main character named Tom Swift. These science fiction and adventure novels, created by the same man responsible for the Bobsy Twins, the Rover Boys, Nancy Drew, and the Hardy Boys, were known for their avoidance of the bare word said. Tom did not just say things. Instead, he said enthusiastically. He said bravely. He said happily. He said morosely, and so on. This led to wordplay, a type of pun in which the adverb relates to what Tom was saying, as in, welcome to my apartment, Tom said flatly, because flat is another name for an apartment. Or, the thermostat must be broken, Tom said hotly. Or, Rover went to get the ball, Tom said fetchingly. Or, I'm being held captive, Tom said guardedly. The name Tom Swifty for this kind of joke dates back to 1963, and the OED finally felt it was time to give the name its due. All in all, more than 1,100 new words were added in this dictionary update, and I'll put a link to the whole list on the transcript of this podcast at the Quick and Dirty Tips website. It's interesting to watch spell checkers try to catch up, too. My spell checker knows mansplain and ransomware, for example, but it doesn't know hangry. And now, on to phony. I spent a few hours at the DMV this week. For my foreign listeners, that's the Department of Motor Vehicles, where you get your driver's license or register your car. And I kept staring at a poster that said, Don't be a phony. Put down your phone while driving. 
Good advice and some cute wordplay because I felt certain that the word phony could not be related to the word phone. And when I got home, I looked it up and I was right. People did start using the word phony in the late 1800s, about 20 years after the first telephone call, but the two words are not related. According to Etymology Online, phony probably comes from fawny. But here's where I was wrong. I figured fawny would have to do with a phony person fawning over someone important or special, because if someone says you're such a phony, it seems to me that it often means you've been nice to someone you don't like for personal gain, fawning over that person. But instead, Fawny probably comes from an Irish word that means finger and was used to refer to a con called a fawny rig in which charlatans would pass off a brass ring as gold. The 1811 Dictionary of the Vulgar Tongue describes it like this, quote, A common fraud thus practiced. A fellow drops a brass ring, double gilt, which he picks up before the party meant to be cheated, and to whom he disposes of it for less than its supposed and ten times more than its real value. Unquote. In other words, the con man tricks someone into thinking they've found a valuable ring together and convinces the mark to pay him for it. A rig was a game or a trick, so a fawny rig was a finger trick or a ring trick and thus a con run with a finger ring. And of course, this whole line of thought made me wonder why we use the word fawn to describe someone who's being overly attentive. That meaning of fawn comes from an old English word that meant glad or happy, especially like a dog wagging its tail. And you can see how a person fawning over a superior could seem like an exuberant dog. Fawn the young deer has a completely different origin— It comes from the same Latin root as the word fetus, which means bringing forth of young, and at some times, fawn meant any young animal rather than just a young deer. If you listened to last week, you'll know that this means that fawn, the young deer, and fawn, to fall all over someone, are homographs, words that are spelled the same but have different meanings and often different origins. How's that for continuity? Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you always get the new episodes. Next week, I'm going to talk about a type of subject-verb agreement that often confuses people. Should it be, we want to know about the proportion of all M&Ms that is blue, or we want to know about the proportion of all M&Ms that are blue? Thanks to D. Smith and Lamborghesa for the nice reviews on Apple Podcasts. D. is a cab driver in San Francisco and listens during downtime at the airport. And Lamborghesa listens at work while animating video games. Cool. And thank you to Northwoods and Kingbird68, who also left nice reviews. I'm Mignon Fogarty. You can find transcripts of this podcast at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.